You may be seated. If you would, bow with me in prayer, and then we're going to open God's Word together. Lord, we thank You uh, for the glorious day that You have created. We thank You for this season. As we come into this time of of Advent, of Your arrival, Your first coming, we thank You uh, for the reminder that this season is. And so we pray that as we journey into this season of year and this time over the next month, Uh, that we would make much of you, that we would see clearly as we stop in the busyness of life and just reflect on who you are and what you've done for us, uh, that you have come and entered into time and space in the incarnation. And so we thank you for that great fact. We thank you for the glorious truth that it is and what it means for us. Uh, We pray this morning that as we open your words, as we think on these things, that you would move freely in this place. We pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate our hearts In our minds that you would take the eternal truth of your word and you would apply it to us. uh, That we would leave here having seen you more fully. Uh, We thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for this place that you have provided that we can gather together. And we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I was thinking about this phrase this week. I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, We kind of throw it around quite a bit, but it's the the phrase of home uh, is where the heart is. You ever heard that before? Uh, Around this time of year, uh, lots of Lifetime movies, that kind of thing. Like that's all about home. That's probably the name of a Lifetime movie. I'm sure it is. If you you look, home is where the heart is. And we say that. And I want you just to think about uh, the sentiment that goes with it. I was thinking about it a little bit this week. This idea of home is where the heart is. And I think there's a lot of truth uh, in that statement. Uh, It seems more true to me right now. Joanna and I just recently moved and left the house that we had lived in for a long time. And uh, there's a lot of memories and a lot of things associated with that place. But when you move from a place, you quickly realize that home is not really that building or that place. It's something far greater, far more important. Uh, It has a lot to do with the people in your life and the emotions that go with it and the feelings that go with that. And so in a lot of ways, that statement of of home is where the heart is, is is very, very true. Uh, I want you just to think for a second what comes to mind even when you think about a home or your home or or ideas of what a a home is like and what you want it to be like or what it should be like or whatever those feelings, emotions, thoughts that come to mind when you think about it. I want you just to think for a second uh, what comes into your head when you think that way. Uh, Maybe it's just the time of season, but if I stop and think about that, I immediately uh, memories of growing up. Uh, around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. Uh, that was usually when my family all together, an extended family, it's still the case in, in my family now. And so immediately I go to memories of Christmas. Uh, I remember being a kid and dad running in and telling us that he just saw Santa Claus leaving and now we could come in and look and he, we'd just seen him going out. Uh, those kind of memories that come, uh, those, I don't even remember what house that was in. We moved a lot. And so the actual building had nothing to do with those memories, but it's more the people and the feeling that go with it. Uh, now when I think about it, um, I think about with my own kids kind of creating a home in our house now. I think of, uh, we like to build fires in the fireplace around this time of year and roast marshmallows and put up the Christmas tree and do all those things and those memories that are associated with that, watching them grow up. Uh, putting ornaments on the tree last night with my son, Jed, him showing me the ornament that was from his first Christmas. Right. Like and, and now putting that on there and, and doing those kinds of things together. And it all comes with it, this kind of feeling of what home really is and what that looks like. 
And so if I start trying to put words to what it looks like, uh, I often think of things like it's a safe place. Um, it's a place where we're loved, uh, maybe a place where we're accepted, uh, a place where we feel comfortable kind of in our, in our own skin, where we can be ourselves surrounded by those people that love us and make us feel that way. And so I want you just to think about all that for just a second. And the, the feelings or the memories that come to mind for you. What do those look like? If somebody asks you, what does home look like or what is your ideal of home look like? And I'm sure everybody here has some memories that come to mind or some things that are that are in your head that you think about. Um, but I just want us to think about that for just a second, because this week we're going to start a new series for Advent. It's just going to follow the Advent series, the Advent season. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to think about the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus coming into time and space, what we celebrate at Christmas. But what I want us to do in this Advent series is we're going to spend some time reflecting on some of our deepest hearts longings. Uh, some themes that we see running throughout all of Scripture that finds their ends and fulfillment in Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to start with thinking about this idea of home. Uh, it, it's something that runs all the way through the Bible from the very beginning. As, as Adam and Eve leave the garden, they leave their home and they kind of go on this journey. We see this longing for this place, for this place of home throughout the Bible. And I want us to think about that and I want us to think about how it finds its ends in Jesus. And so we're going to do that today with home, but we're going to follow some of these themes. And I would say they're not just themes in the Bible, but they're the very longings of our heart in so many ways. And so not just home, but next week we're going to talk about the longing for rest, kind of journey of weariness to rest and wanting to be able to rest. And then the next week we're going to talk about the longing for the perfect spouse. And then the last week on uh, Christmas Eve, we're going to talk in the morning about the perfect king. And then the last on Christmas Eve night, we're going to talk about that longing of wanting to be known and loved. And so we're going to look at all these themes kind of through overview of the Bible and how they come to find their fulfillment in Jesus. And so let's start this morning with this idea of home. Two simple questions I just want us to think about. First of all, why is that such a longing in us? Why is that idea of having a place, a home, that feeling, all that goes with it? Why is that such a longing that we have? And then secondly, how does Advent, Jesus's first coming, answer that? All right. So why the longing and how does Jesus answer that? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So while we think about it, I would invite you to turn to Second Corinthians 5, what Mike just read to us. Uh, Blue and white Bible at 667. The solid Bibles, it's on page 562 if you want to follow along with me i think mike said it just a second ago but if you need a bible take that with you that's our gift to you love for you to keep that and so look at second corinthians 5 with me this is paul writing to the church in corinth if you've been with us we just went through acts he helped plant the church there in corinth and then he loved and cared for those people he writes this letter to them in a series of exchange with them and he's talking here in chapter four right before this about the frustrations of his physical body and what he's gone through and all the heartache and hardships that we saw Paul go through and acts physically and being weary and beaten down. And he says, but doesn't even compare to what is to come. And then he gets to this passage in chapter five and he says this in verse one. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on the heavenly dwelling. If indeed putting it on, we may not 
be found naked. For while we are still in the tent, we groan being burdened, but not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He has prepared us for this very thing in God who's given us a spirit, his spirit as a guarantee. And so he's telling them about the the groaning and the frustrations and the struggles that come with this life. And he's talking about the hardships of it, but he's looking ahead to a house or a place that's greater, something that he has in Christ, in God. And so then look at what he says there in verses nine and ten. Yes, we are of good courage and we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And so if you read all the way through and you kind of follow the context and the argument he's making, he talks about our body being a home, a type of home, but it leaves us yearning for more. And he says, but our true home, the home that we yearn for, that we that we yearn to be clothed with is this home with the Lord to be in fully uh, engrossed in this relationship with God, this face to face in his present, talking about when we die and we go home to be with the Lord. And so this image that we get right here that Paul kind of sets for us, we follow this all the way through the Bible. This idea, this ultimate idea of home is to live in a fullness with God, our creator. That is the way we were created to be. We said that at the very beginning of the Bible. And our need, our desire, our heart's longing for that safe place, that home to be in those, those things that we seek to create in our own families, with our own relationships, with the people around us is really a signpost pointing us to the relationship we were made for with God. And so that's the the image that we see in the Bible. We were created to live in an intimacy with him. You can go back through the Bible and you can begin to follow that story all the way through. If you go to Genesis three with the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, he creates them in his image. And there's this kind of there's just this, this little verse there that's even half of a verse that you read in Genesis three. And it's right after they send as God comes to look for them. But it gives you some insight in what their life was like. And it talks about God walking in the garden in the cool of the day as he would with Adam and Eve. That he walked with them, that in their home, the garden, they were there face to face with God in this fullness of relationship. That is the way we were created to be as human beings, to see God first and foremost as our place of home, of rest, of assurance, of love, as comfort, as protection. All of those things we were created to be with God. That's the way life was in the garden before sin entered. That's what we long for. And so if you know the story in Genesis three, what happens is that Adam and Eve decide that they can make a home apart from having its center on God. Right? That's what the first sin is, is you can make for yourself what God has promised for you. You can do it on your own. Right? That's, that's what the first um, choice was. We often talk about taking the fruit and eating of it. God says, don't eat from this tree. And they decide to go ahead and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the heart issue underneath that is rather than living close and under God's protection, completely trusting him, we decide we can do it on our own. And so Adam and Eve decide to do that. And sin enters the world. And as it does, it brings with it a a break in our relationship with God, a holy 
righteous, perfect God and a sinful, created being cannot live in perfect communion together. And so we have this problem that presents itself at the beginning of the Bible. And this perfect home that God had created for Adam and Eve, he then asked them to leave. He tells them it's time that they're going to, he closed them, he takes them, he makes a promise. He says, I'm going to fix this issue, but for now you're going to leave the garden. And so we see that right at the very beginning, that we were created for this idea to live in a close, perfect relationship with God. And we decided that we could do it on our own. And so what happens as a result is we go through this life seeking and yearning that desire that was put in us, made in God's image to live with him. But now we're looking to fulfill it in other ways. And so we create homes, we create families, which is a good gift from God. It's a good thing. But we all all uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Oftentimes we seek to make it the ultimate thing, the thing that now is going to satisfy us to make everything right, to make everything perfect. And so a good home following God, keeping him at the center is a great gift that God gives us. But when we make it the ultimate thing and we replace the relationship and that home found in our relationship with God with an earthly family, it becomes an idol and it becomes a struggle. And it becomes hard and it becomes frustration. Now, there's still a lot of good that goes with it. Don't get me wrong. I think about all those memories I was just talking about of what home looks like and the things that it was made to be and the wonderful memories that I have. But if I actually went back and I could go back into time to all those memories and all those things, you know what it looked like? There'd be these great, wonderful memories and then there'd be a whole lot of fighting. Like with my brothers and sisters, they'd be getting in trouble. There'd be problems. There'd be all this, right? We just remember the really good things and we kind of romanticize it. And so it's like, yes, it's a good gift that God gives us, but it's not perfect. It's fleeting in a lot of ways. Um, I was thinking about it just this year, this year at Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's a wonderful time. Our family just it's been big holiday for us for a long time. I love it because my brother Jeremiah that lives in Texas gets to come with his family. My sister Amy lives here in town. My parents live in Texas, but we all get to come together. And it's the one time of year that we're all together. All our kids, all the siblings, everybody together. And it's a wonderful time. And it's great that I get to stay. My brother stays in our house with us. And it's the only time we get to do that all year. But there's this thing that happens on like Thursday night, right? Meals over, getting upset. Usually people have to go home Friday, maybe Saturday. Jeremiah had to leave Saturday this year. But all of a sudden, Thursday night, there's this sadness that it's like, ah, it's almost over. And it's going to be another year before we all get together like this. And there's some there's a fleeting part of that, that it's, it's evaporating in front of you. And you want to hold on to it and you want to keep it. But it, but you can't you can't live in that way perfectly all the time. And so there's always this sadness at the end of the week, a, a yearning for more of that, uh, of those relationships and growing in that, but we can't keep it. And so it's like it's always there, but not completely there. And part of that is, is that we were made for more. God has placed eternity in our hearts, in this relationship with him, to have this home with him. We are made to be eternal beings at home with him in that way. And so even as great as the gifts that God gives us, of an earthly family and home, the church now being our family that's expanded. And now we have other people coming in and those are wonderful and good gifts. They're just part. They're not the full. And so we struggle with that and we long for more. 
There's this longing in us. And you see this all the way throughout Scripture. If you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And you see this very idea repeated over and over. If you've got the blue and white Bible, it's 652. If you've got one of the solid colored ones, it's 585 if you want to turn there with me. But Hebrews 11. This is a a sermon letter written to explain how Jesus is better than everything. And if you've grown up in the church, you probably know chapter 11. It's one of those famous chapters. We often call it the roll call of the faithful. That's that's kind of the, the title that's been given within the church. So if you grew up in the church, maybe you know Hebrews 11 from that. And it talks about all these different people that God used that were faithful, that were loving him, that were seeking him. But there's this this theme that runs through Hebrews 11. And so look at verse nine with me. Talking about Abraham, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. The promise that it's talking about here is the Abrahamic covenant, the promise that God gives to Abraham and his sons after him and his grandson after him. And the Abrahamic covenant is I'm going to make you into a great nation and you're going to have lots of descendants and I'm going to give you a land and then you're going to bless the world through your seed talking ultimately about Jesus. But in that promise is a land, a place. Abraham actually picks up and he moves and he goes to this place that God shows him. But then look at verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that had foundations whose designer and builder is God. And there's this unique thing that you see with Abraham. And although God called him out and Abraham was faithful and he went to the place that God showed him and he went there and he had part of that land, he never even tried to take possession of all of it. And Hebrews tells us that he knew there was something more, that he wasn't just looking to a physical place, that he was looking to a city that God would be the builder. And so look at what it says in verse 13. These all died in faith. Not having received what was promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth for people who speak thus make it clear they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And what I want you to see here and just think about for just a second is is with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob and those that came after him, they were longing for something more. And so they were operating in faith and they were trusting the promises of God, but they weren't looking for just an earthly fulfillment. They were looking for something far greater. And all the way through this chapter, you see this yearning. This desire for a home that can't be found in earthly things. And it says they they saw them and they greeted them from afar. They heard the promise of Abraham that God was going to bless the world through Abraham's seed, talking of Jesus, but they didn't see Jesus. They didn't see him then in the way that we have seen him physically come to earth, but they knew the promise was coming. And so they kept trusting in God's promises and stretching forward to what was to come. Look at verse 25 or 24 as it talks about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking 
to the reward. And so it says Moses, who had everything the earth could offer in the palace of Pharaoh, that he willingly gave those up as he was striving ahead to something more. There's a yearning for something more eternal in our hearts to be at home with the Lord. And you see this roll call of the faithful that they are all marked by this over and over this stretching, this wanting more of this life than just what this life can offer. If you go down to verse 32, he goes into just a whole list as he explains here, as he kind of wraps up the chapter. And what more shall I say for my time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goat and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And so it says at the end of Hebrews that they went through this life longing for a better homeland, a a better country, a better home a better place. And they were looking for this place that God himself would build in Jesus. And they greeted it from afar and they saw the promises, but they had not yet seen it. And then Hebrews goes on to say, but we have seen it. We're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. And so now we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one that has come to bring us home. And that's what we celebrate at Advent. One of the many themes that we celebrate at Advent That Jesus comes to bring us back into that relationship, to bring us back to the home that we were created to live in and that we yearn and long for with all of our being. And so if you would turn with me to John chapter 14, the the striped Bible 586, the solid one 525, if you want to turn there. But John 14, this is the night before Jesus would be crucified Uh, as he sits there with his disciples who are bewildered at the language he's using about going away and where I'm going, you can't come and all these things. And they are just kind of scratching their heads, not fully able to comprehend what's about to happen. But look at what Jesus says here in John chapter 14, beginning in verse one. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so I want you to think about this whole big picture here that runs through the Bible. We struggle for this idea of a place of belonging, this home. It's in us. It's built into us because of the way we were created to be with our creator. 
But sin has separated us from God. This break that happens. And so when we celebrate Advent, the arrival of Jesus, Jesus coming, Jesus comes to bring us home. To bring us back into the relationship we were made for. But not only to bring us back into the fullness of the relationship we were made for, but to point us ahead to when he will return and truly, physically, bodily bring us home with him. And so here's what I want you to think about with Advent, or at least part of what we think about as we come to Advent. Oftentimes we say Advent is the season we're getting ready for Christmas. And that's true. We want to prepare our hearts to celebrate what Christmas means and what it truly is. But we miss it if we say Advent is just here to prepare us for like Christmas morning and we get to open presents and we don't want to forget Jesus or leave him out of it. And so we make sure that we do all this so that we don't forget him on Christmas morning. But I would say to you, Advent is more about preparing our hearts for Jesus's second coming. We live in a unique time between his first coming and his second. Yes, he's bought all the fulfillment of the promises that come in his first coming. Namely, that we do get to be at home with him, that we do have a relationship with him because what Jesus has done and bought in his first coming. We have this yearning and this longing for acceptance, to be loved, to be known, to be fully in that place. All the things that we think of when we think of home. And that longing is because of our sin, our broken relationship. We were made for that and we don't fully have that apart from Christ. But now Jesus comes and he invites us back into that. And we do have that relationship now, but we still, as Paul says in in 2 Corinthians 5, we still groan in these bodies. We're still in these bodies of flesh. We are not fully home and present with the Lord in which we will be. And so what I want you to think about is that that image of, of what a beautiful picture this is, that the first advent, the first coming of Jesus points us to the second coming of Jesus. We have what we have now, and yes, he's accomplished in part, we will have in fullness in his second coming. And so read those words and think about what Jesus says there. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And I want you just to think about that image for just a second. Of him preparing a place for you. Uh, right now, Joanna and I are, are undertaking the process uh, of building a house. And I'm going to get to design it. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, my first career was in architecture. I've always wanted to do that. It's just a marrying of all the things that I really enjoy doing. And so I'm really excited about it. And when I start to think about what it would look like for my family and a home and the things that we need, and I know how my family lives and what my kids are like, and I know those things, and I'm trying to kind of design those things into it. And I've had the privilege of designing enough houses in my life to know that every time I do it, it's like this puzzle and you never get it perfect. You can get pretty close and people go, yes, this is great, and we enjoy, but it's never quite right. Never get all of it just right. And I know even going into this, I won't get it perfect. But it's, it's an enjoyment to do that. But I want you to think about what this says here when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. The creator God that made you before the foundation, knew you before he made you. Knew you before he created you before the foundations of the earth. Uh-huh. In the Psalms, it says he knit you together in your mother's womb. 
that he created your your intellect. He created your personality. He made everything about you. He is your creator. He is your redeemer. He loves you. He knows you to the depths of your being in every way. And that God says, I have gone to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to that place, to that home. And here's what I want you to consider. Because of what Jesus does in his first advent, his first coming, that he comes and he lives the life that we haven't lived. And he dies the death that we deserve. And he brings us back into a fullness of relationship with him. He removes the barrier of our sin by becoming our sin on our behalf and eradicating it. Taking on the wrath of God for us and inviting us back in. That God that goes to those great lengths is right now preparing a place for you that he can come and bring you to again. And you're going to have a home that so perfectly fits you in every way. Now, in the smallness of our minds, we begin to think about like uh, creature comforts and, and what it would look like. And, and I kind of jokingly say my, my room in God's house is going to be uh, modern and clean and nothing in it and like one chair because I hate clutter. Right. But that's that's me being smallness of mind of thinking of it that way. God's going to prepare a place. And when we come into his presence Every desire of your heart, every insecurity, every struggle that you have, all the things that we deal with day in and day out that cling to us, that take us from enjoying who he is and the way he made us. Those are the things that he's preparing for us. We're going to come into his presence and see him for who he is and what we are created to be and be able to rest perfectly in that place. All the wonderful things that you feel when you're at home. Loved and accepted and comfortable and in the way in your kind of environment, it's going to be that times infinite. And so when we come to this season and we begin to think about the first coming of Jesus, the first advent, I want you to think about the second coming of Jesus. What we're looking forward to because of the first coming, we're now looking ahead to what the second coming will mean, that he's coming to bring us home. And so when we connect that to Christmas, even think that God left his home to come to us to bring us home. And so when we think about Jesus coming into this earth and walking through this life so that he can bring us back home. And so I want us to think about that as we journey through Advent of thinking through uh, just the times that we have with family, with friends, the things that we get to do that remind us of home. Hopefully you you have a home to go to. If you're not sure what that looks like, you do have a home to go to because the church is your home. You're invited into that. Our, our family expands as we come into relationship with Christ. And so we do have a home here and we're invited into that. But as we walk through this season, I want you to think of those as just foretastes of the fulfillment of what is to come. The beauty and fullness that's coming because of what Jesus has done in his first advent. And then I also want you just to think about that because of what Christ has done, we are a new creation. We do have that relationship. We do have that home with him right now. Uh, day in and day out, we forget that. We begin to cling to other things. We begin to seek to make it be from other things rather than resting in our relationship with Jesus. But as we go through this and as we continue to seek to see that it's truly found in Christ, that we would see this season as opportunities to create signposts that point to the fullness of what we have in Jesus. 
that we would have opportunities to invite people into our homes, into our relationships, and then be able to point them to the fullness that we have in Christ in this season. So as we prepare for Advent, let us begin to think through not just what it means that Jesus has come to us, but that he is coming again in the fullness of what that brings with it. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the glorious future that we have. Uh, we thank you that we truly can rest in our relationship with you because of what Jesus has done. That you have provided for us a home, a place that we can come and be uh, accepted and loved and completed. And it's all because of what you've done for us. And so I pray that this season, as we go into this time, that we would be reminded of your great sacrifice for us, how much you loved us to leave your home to come to us, but also of what you have purchased for us. We thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.